All right, so welcome to the Mesh Point Podcast. Tonight we have Coach Chris Damien. He's the offensive coordinator at Raritan High School up in New Jersey. Coach, how you doing tonight? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, guys. No, we're excited to have you on. Probably, probably should have had you on sooner, Coach, to be quite honest with you. But, hey, we're excited. So once you kick us off, we always ask kind of your, your background, right, where you're from, where you played, and kind of all the things that led up to, to being at Raritan now. Well, I'm from Overage, New Jersey, which is in central New Jersey. Um, I went to high school at a parochial school called St. John Vianney, which is right in the same area. Uh, and from there, uh, I played at Monmouth University from 1999 to 2002 under Coach Callahan, Flyhawks. And uh, that's where I really learned a lot in as a player. Um, and football became just a complete passion of mine at that time. I had great coaches uh, led by Coach Callahan, and I came across some great offensive coaches there. Um, I played tight end there for four years, and, you know, I wouldn't call myself a Travis Kelsey type of tight end. I would call myself more of an inline guy um, for sure. So I did a, block, a lot of blocking and a little less, you know, catching the rock. But uh, I, I learned a lot about the run game and the pass game, and I think tight end was a, was a great way to really learn about all the – parts of, of an offense and how they tie together. Cause I was in inside run and I was in pass Kelly and I, I got a good experience at learning coverages and fronts and all those sorts of things. Um, so, you know, obviously playing in college was great, but it was like a beginning of a kind of an education with me. Um, and we had some different coordinators, uh, Rich Trotsky, who was at Elon, Mark Favish, who is at Columbia right now is their offensive coordinator. And those guys were, we're great and, and uh, just teaching the game and really, you know, trying to become a student of the game at that point. Um, when I graduated from Monmouth in 2002, I accepted a graduate assistant at Wagner College in Staten Island, New York, um, under Walt Hamline. Uh, and my first position there was as a defensive line coach. Um, and that was huge because now I was on the other side of the ball and trying to figure out how to stop people. And I learned a lot about offense um, from the other perspective, you know, what, what people were, what do we do to stop teams? Um, and that was a, a good perspective for two years there. Um, and I also kicked off special teams, which was a big part of my college coaching career um, there under the name of, uh, with a guy named Adam Fuller, who's now the defensive coordinator at Florida state. Um, so he was a, he was a good influence there in special teams and defense. He was the secondary coach there and, you know, just absorbing a lot of things that him and Mark Collins, the defensive coordinator, had to say there. That was that was huge. Um, after my graduate assistant was up there, uh, I got hired back at Monmouth as the tight ends coach in 2005. Uh, I was a tight ends coach there for two years. And then in 07, I became the running backs coach and special teams got involved in special teams and then eventually would become the special teams coordinator there. Um, during my time there, uh, it was, it was the most important football period of my life because I, I really learned all facets of the game and special teams is just a different animal that kind of helped me look at both sides of the ball and the whole game. How does, how does the offense affect the defense? How does the special teams affect the offense? So on and so forth. And, that really tied the game together for me. And, and during my time there, I mean, I was with Coach Cal, who just taught me so much about how to treat players, that, that kids need structure. You know, when, when you are coaching at practice, don't wear sunglasses so you can look kids in the eye when you coach them and they know exactly that you're looking at them. You know, ha have passion and um, don't be afraid to show it to the kids because they appreciate that. So during that time, that was – that was a great experience for me. Um, in 2013, I got an opportunity to uh, move on to the high school ranks. Um, just, you know, life changes for me at that time kind of led to that. I had my teaching degree and um, I took a job at Keensburg High School. It's a small group one school. Um, I was the first head coach there after Hurricane Sandy. And oh, wow. Keensburg is a, is a school that's um, – on the shore, you know, so they were devastated by Hurricane Sandy. And when I took the job, um, 
you know, it was it was post Sandy at that time. So everyone was having a hard time in, in Jersey um, who lived on on the on the water and come to find out. I mean, this place was it was it was a lower socioeconomic status and they were devastated by this storm. Like people weren't like half the school moved out of the district because they had to because they couldn't move back in their homes. Um, so it became more of like, a, let's just try and build football back up. Um, and one way we did that was running the option and developing that culture um, to try and get those kids to just, you know, love football again, take their mind off home. And, you know, we, we weren't great for those two years, but, you know, it was an experience for me and it taught me a lot about coaching kids and what's important and, um, all those different things. But that was the first time that we, we, I, um, we were full flex bone at that point. Um, because I, I started to do some stuff that we ran at Monmouth, which was option football. Um, but then I realized that we needed to, you know, we needed to get under center. We needed to run our core five plays. We need to slow the game down because we were, we were a little under man there. Um, and, you know, it was a great learning experience for me in terms of high school kids, how to treat kids, right. culture, building. Um, you know, unfortunately, uh, there were budget cuts involved in that, um, in that district. So after my second year, I was low man on the totem pole. Didn't matter if you were the head coach. And I, I got rift, which is a reduction in force. That's what we call it up here. Um, and one of my good friends, Anthony Petruzzi, I called him up. He's the head coach at Raritan. And he said, we have a job. You can interview for it. I interviewed. I was fortunate enough to get it. And kind of the rest at Raritan in the last six years, I've been there um, as a coordinator. And, you know, we've, we've been in the flex bone. And except for that first year when I got there, which I can kind of talk about later, um, but that was, that was, he saved my football life at that point because just getting out of college and making that transition to high school and then, you know, um, losing my position at, at Kingsburg, that was tough and I didn't know what to do. Um, and he kind of picked me up and, you know, I'm kind of loyal to him. So, yep. you know, being an assistant is, uh, I, I'm okay with it right now because the guy I work for is, you know, I feel like I, I owe him. You know, and it, it helps motivate me. So this is going to be year 18 for me coaching, coaching football. So um, it's been great. I've learned a lot. And, you know, the, the journey continues, as they say. That's, that's interesting, Coach. I, when you talked about the, the riff, it's funny, man. I, I'm actually experiencing that right now uh, in the county I'm in in Florida. And um, I, I'm going on my 14th year of teaching. I never thought that that would ever happen because I'm in a big county. And uh, I remember sitting in college. Uh, it was like the first course you take, like intro to education. And they, they start explaining the rift. And I'm thinking, man, we have nearly 30 high schools in this county. That ain't never going to happen. <laughs> mm -hmm. And here I am, you, you know. But yeah. luckily, like you, had a buddy reached out to. Bang. You know what I mean? I, I was and, – and so I understand why you, uh, you know – you, you feel the way you do about your, your buddy, you know what I mean? That got you, got you a gig because uh, it's tough, man. <laughs> yeah. We all have, you know, a personal life and we all have a football life and the, the stories sometimes, you know, mesh together. And when I say he saved mine, he, he did, you know, because it was a big enough decision two years earlier to move from college to high school, which you, you get all sorts of questions about and everybody has their reasons to do it. But, um, you know, at that point, you're like, come on, you yeah. know, and yeah. Um, yeah. it and it worked out. So thank goodness. It, but, it's, uh, it's hard to survive on that little uh, that little football stipend we get in high school. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's for sure. Yeah, I guess you felt like in that regard, you could have just stayed in college, right? I mean, you know, yeah, because you know, like I just want to, you know, put it out there. I didn't get fired. You know, no, no, it was no, a no, personal no. decision. Yeah, yeah. I, it was a personal decision. You know, I was married at the time and we yeah. were trying, you know, we were trying to start a family and doing all that yeah. stuff. And we decided we wanted to stay in this area. So, 
It's a different lifestyle, the college coach versus the high school coach, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, as a, as a college coach and we were, and right now I would say Monmouth is one of the hotter one double a schools and they're a fully funded FCS program, 65 scholarships. When I left, we were about 30, you know, so we were just getting into that scholarship um, idea about five years into it, you know, so we were trying to build momentum. We were still in the Northeast conference and we, we had just actually, right before I left, got into the Big South. But the big thing people don't think about is recruiting. And you're on the road. I mean, at the end of the day, you're probably on the road for two months of the year. And I would recruit Washington, D.C. and Maryland. And I, I, and I loved it. Like, that was the thing. I, I loved what I was doing. Um, I, just, I just tried to look down the road, you know, and kind of just said, I, I think I need those two months home and for what we're planning on doing, you know, yeah. I thought it was best. And you take a leap of faith and hopefully it works out. Sometimes you're, you're scrambling, but you know, it worked, it worked out now. So. Yeah. Well, yeah. And that's in the end, that's all that matters. That's right. Yeah. Well, you mentioned several guys and I'm sure you'll highlight them, but, um, but talk about a guy that you've, you've definitely leaned on over the years as a mentor to help guide you, you know, through, through those, those difficult times you just talked about. So I coach Callahan, number one, um, absolute dynamite person. And, um, you know, he was someone obviously I could lean on and I could talk to. And I talked to him a lot before, you know, leaving Monmouth and he was very open with me and very honest with me. Um, and just some of those things I talked about, uh, earlier, but the big thing was I saw how he treated me as a player and I saw how he treated me as a coach. And those things kind of helped and said, that's how I would want to be treated as a coach, as a player. And, you know, and it was hard. He was, he was an even temperament guy in all situations. And, you know, I don't know if that's exactly my personality, but I try and mirror that as much as possible. And, and like I said, little things like showing kids you care and, you know, not wearing the sunglasses. That's a thing. I've never worn sunglasses out of practice in my life. And that was something that stuck with me. And those little things, you know, structure, like we came in the first day and he handed us this huge book that it was about this much playbook and this much itineraries for travel. So we knew where we were going, what time we were going, what time every meeting was. And that stayed the same the entire year. And Guys who weren't organized, it helped them get organized. And, and I thought that that was huge. Um, and just the way he taught guys. Um, so, I mean, he was obviously uh, a number one influence. Um, my senior year, I had a tight end coach. His name was Bob Gennarelli. Um, now, the funny thing about Coach G was that he's one of the all-time winningest coaches in high school in New Jersey. And one of the two schools he was the head coach at was Raritan. But at the time, he was just my tight end coach. And he was another great teacher who I had a great relationship with. And he's the guy who gets phone calls before I make all my important decisions. But it just so happened I'm back at Raritan where he was the head coach. And everybody looks at him like, that's Coach G, you know, like, wow. And to me, it's just it's my tight end coach from high school. That's like my guy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but to them, it's like, whoa, Coach G's in here. Let's tighten up and stiffen up. And I'm like, I do all those things because, you know, I respect them. But I had such a different relationship than everybody did. Um, and, he, and he was such a, you know, all those value things that you could ask him about. And, um, and that was great. Uh, flexible wise, when, when I was when I got the head coaching job at Kingsburg, um, there was a guy who taught math there who coached in Maryland for 20 years. His name was Andy Carlstrom, and he was at Johnson High School in Maryland in, Mon in Montgomery County. And he, you know, he was a, went to the Paul Johnson Navy camp every year, listened to all the seminars, and he ran it for 20 years, and he happened to move up here. And he had a couple coaching stops, but he was out of coaching at that point. He was right down the hallway from my classroom, and I knew we were going to struggle with what I was doing in the preseason, and I started talking to him and I said, hey, tell me, tell me about how you ran the flex bone in high school. Because I've done all this research, you know, I've, I've, I've watched all these things. I know what we did at Monmouth, but what's exactly different about what you guys are doing? And 
he was great. He'd be in my room every prep, every lunch. And we started watching film and looking at old playbooks. And, you know, I just, he, he hasn't coached really since then, but he gave me so much information and just got the ball rolling and telling me where to look and what to do and, and all that stuff. So those three, I think were, were the biggest influence in terms of just life football and flex bone. Man, that's so cool. I love I love buddies like that, man, where you can chew the fat and X and O. And he he was probably jonesing to talk some ball too with you, man. Yeah. You know, right down the hall. <laughs> Chomping at the bit. And then we we go into um we go to play a game this year at Shore Regional and I'm walking up in the booth and there he is, his son's a senior on the other team. <laughs> you know. And How he cool looks at that? me after the game and he's like, Damn, what the hell happened with you? And I was like, What do you mean? He goes, I didn't teach you all that. And I was like, okay, <laughs> easy. Yeah, come on. Take it easy. But, uh, yeah, he, he was great. And he just was dying to talk ball. Well, speaking of your offense, uh, tell the listeners the background of your program there at uh, Raritan and uh, where you started. So when you first got there, kind of what it looked like and uh, where you come and how uh, Flexbone and Gun Option Principles have helped your program along the way. So when I first got there – um, you know, Anthony, Anthony Petruzzi, our head coach had told me, he said, you know, I, I feel good about this group of seniors. They were five and five the year before they had made the playoffs for the first time. in I think it was seven or eight years and they had lost in the first round. And, you know, what he said, he said, I have some guys and I really think like you, you can figure out where to put the pieces to the puzzle. So they, they had a young, um, coordinator already there and you know I just worked with him you know and we ran option football I, we weren't we weren't a flexbone team we were in the pistol and we were running some some zone read and we were sticking to what they were doing and we were fortunate enough to you know go seven and five and make it to the finals of state. Cause we made a run in the playoffs and we played a team, just like you said earlier, coach, when we were talking, yeah, they had a lot of guys that were better than our guys, but you know, that, that day, uh, our Jimmy's beat their Joe's and we were able to, that first year we won uh, the state title. Yeah. Oh, wow. um, awesome, so what happened was after that, those guys left and the next season we were back to that, like five and five. And I'm saying, uh-oh, we, we have all these little slot receivers that, you know, because we were we had a good quarterback. It was the first good quarterback they've had in, you know, seven years. And there's no reason to take him out of what he knew. That's what That was my thought process. Right. Let me adjust to what they do because he's a good quarterback. We have some weapons. He can deliver the ball. That's great. He's not there anymore. And the next couple kids in line were not him. So I, my whole thing is I don't want to stick the – you know, the, the square peg in the round hole because it's not going to work. So the quarterbacks we had weren't those type of kids. The receivers we had weren't those type of kids anymore. But we had a lot of those, in my brain, A-back type kids. And we had a quarterback who, who was smart enough. And I just said to that coach, I said, we're, we're, we're built to go into the flex bone, coach. Like, we are, we are personnel-wise ready to do this. And he, he loved the idea. Um and what he does defensively is a little bit different, you know, kind of like some bare front, cub front kind of things. Yeah. And it just made us somebody that you had to prepare what other opponents hadn't done the whole year. Right. And we needed that kind of as an undersized group two, you know, five's the highest here, we're group two. Um, and, and that was a big advantage of us. So, you know, we've been in uh, the, the pistol flex bone um, since then. Um, I wanted to go under center, but he said, you know, we have a couple parochials in the area that like to do a little, little poaching. And, uh, he said, you know, I think the pistol is a little, little sexier. And I said, yes, coach. Yeah. All right, here we go. <laughs> so, and we had done that at Monmouth. That was our roots at Monmouth. We were pistol the entire time I was there. So I had no problem with that. Um, you know, so I was excited to mesh the two now because originally we were under center at at the previous school I was at. So, um, so the last few years we've made, the, we made the playoffs every year. I've been there fortunately. Um, and we just had great kids who have bought into the program and 
the offense has become part of the program. Um, it, it meshes well with the defense, and we and we try and play hard on special teams, and that's kind of our our philosophy there. Um, something unique about where I'm at is we don't have the kids' names on the back of the jersey. They just say the the three core principles of the program. So they intensity, integrity, and family. So some kids have, you know, you have one of the three if, if you play for us. So that's cool. Um, yeah. So that's kind of where we're at. And, and, you know, the, the big combo now on, um, on the mesh point is, you know, what do you do with the off season workouts and what do the kids have to do to get on the field and be on the roster? You know, our, our kids have to do six hours of community service and they have to be at 80% of the workouts from the time football ends to the time preseason ends. So if you play a winter sport, you get all the lifts for that season. If you play a spring sport, you get all the lifts for that season. But if you don't, you're on the clock for the attendance. And then that goes into the summer. And, you know, um, so that's how our kids kind of earn it. And he's just built such a good foundation that I'm, you know, uh, fortunate to be a part of. But those kids are blue collar and it, and it fits what we want to do offensively. Now, just a quick follow-up on that. Do you guys have a, um, a, a way if a kid missed – uh, that they can make a workout up or is, is absolutely yeah. so we'll do uh, our lifting is four days a week with a makeup on the off day uh -huh. so the kids can come and do that um and then you know we tell them if you get two extra hours of community service that'll make up for a lift uh -huh. that's cool um, yeah so so they could do all that so we're promoting all that also mm -hmm. oh, very that's, cool that's, yeah it's a great idea it, before you, before you move on to the next question, Coach, uh, I was looking on uh, Max Preps before we got on, and I wanted to ask you because, man, we're all, we all had to deal with COVID. You know, can you kind of maybe tell us how it went down in New Jersey? And um, did you guys – it looked like, Coach, you guys ripped off six in a row there at the end. Did, did you all have a playoff system or anything like that? Like, how did that all um, go down? Obviously, this, the protocols and procedures were a huge deal here. You know, being so so many people, so the population density. I, you know, we're we're number one, two, or three in the United States. So it's it's packed where we live in in Monmouth County. Um, so every day, our kids had to fill out a survey before practice, and we had no locker room situation. The kids never entered the building the entire year for practice. They brought all their stuff home um, and they cleaned it and came back the next day and coaches, we were mandatory masked up the entire time. Kids on the sideline masks. I'm, I'm, I'm sure a lot of the same things you guys did. Um, but fortunately. Yeah. Us in Virginia. COVID didn't exist in Alabama for Tony. <laughs> I was trying to help you out. I don't know. No, no, just, you and I are the same in Virginia. COVID didn't exist in Alabama. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. 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 Once you hit there, right. Once, once you hit Georgia line, I think that's where COVID kind of fizzled out. Gets, I, I think it gets fuzzy in the Carolinas too, but I'm not yeah. sure. <laughs> I would, I would be, I'd call Tony and was like, "Dude, I don't know what we're gonna do," and he'd be like, "Well, we we just finished working out outside." <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, well, you yeah. what? Yeah, yeah, we're full tilt. It's like June. He's yeah. like. Right. Outside working, just got out of the weight room. We just did seven on seven teams. We just had like, sixty kids in the weight room. What do you yeah, mean? Well, yeah, nothing, yeah. We just we just hit it with a little spray. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, oh yeah, we're in the huddle running plays. I'm like, what? Yeah. Yeah, like I can't even. You can't even. Like I can't get within you know two miles of a kid here. Yeah, you're washing the footballs after every like touch over the summer, and we're just like, <laughs> I, I can't do this anymore. We didn't even get that. Yeah, like, what that's crazy, man. <laughs> so. So we, um, you know, we were fortunate, though. Not a lot of games were canceled by us. You know, they no one we played, obviously, uh, until the end. But what we did was we did a uh, six-game season. And then based off those six games, they put you in a, like a playoff pod of four teams. So it was, you know, winners played winners, losers played losers, and everyone was guaranteed eight games. Yeah. Um, so we were fine. We finished uh, five and one in those six games. We won the first part of the pod and the team we were going to play, who was actually the team we played first game of the season and lost. So we were, we were looking forward to that. Um, they actually came down with COVID and we played somebody else who we had to beg to play. They didn't want 
because the game was on Tuesday now. So they were picking us up on a Tuesday. And this guy is a is a former flex bone guy. And he kind of knows, like, <laughs> he was like, no, we don't, he told his AD, we don't want we don't want to pick up the game. Right. And he was like, no, you're going to play the game. And we played them and, you know, it, it's tough. It's just really tough. Yeah. It's just a tough system to get ready for. And defensively, again, like I said, we're, we're playing five down and it, they hadn't seen it. So it's, it's tough. And he knew, and he knew. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I think I talked to Brian Gallagher at one point and he was like, um, they paired him. What did they do? They paired him with, like the, like the region, like let, let's say, I, I think he's group four, maybe three. I don't remember, but let's just say he's group four. I don't remember, but th- then they paired them with the winner from last year, the year before state championship from like group five or whatever, right. For their, for their, for their playoff pod or whatever. And uh, <laughs> it's like, you know, anyway, I don't think they ended up playing a couple because of COVID, but anyway, um, well, we, yeah. um, they matched us up against a group four team after the COVID after COVID. Yeah. And they yeah. matched us up against a group four team. Yeah. And was, at yeah. that point we were just like, okay, let's just play. Yeah. 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 Was, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, it was, uh, it was an interesting spring for sure. <sighs> uh, crazy, but Hey, it got, we got it in. That's what mattered. So, all right, man. Well, let's talk about, you know, you guys, right? Let's talk about what you're up to. Um, so talk about your option game, right? Is it typical big five stuff out of your pistol? You know, what you, what are you running? Uh, what, what do you like? So we're, we are a hundred percent in the, in the pistol. Um, we've stuck with it through the years. I, I think coach, if I said, you know, we want to get back under center, I think you'd be okay with it. Um, but we, we've stuck to the pistol. We're also a no huddle team. Um, and, and that's more to control the game, I think. Uh, and, you know, we want to use as many formations as we can within the personnel, meaning we, we don't have tight ends. We don't have those bodies. Those kids play tackle for us. Okay. Um, and within those, that personnel, two A backs, two wide outs, we, we try and formation as much as possible. Um, and, and the big four and, – and the reason we are in the pistol is from what I've found, and I know that this is another hot topic, um, we run veer to all looks. So we'll run into the three and double the three. We'll read the four eye. We'll read the four. And obviously out after that, we'll do that. Some people won't run into a four eye, and they run outside, outside veer. Um, you know, without a tight end, it's tough. You could, I feel like you could only run into Oki front. Um, but that's just my personal opinion. So we've trained our kids because we feel like we can run veer. We're, we're going to run veer. We run it. 40% of our run game is veer. So that's what we do. I mean, it's called the people who know a little bit less about it, you know, the triple option offense. There's a reason they think it's called the triple option offense. And that's because play one is, you know, we, that's what we hang our hat on. We can run it against any, you know, so the other four, no, um, not, to interrupt, not to interrupt you, but we could stop the podcast right now if you wanted to. <laughs> Again, I'm on a quest to bring back inside Veer. You've, you've, coach, you hit it. And we're, we're, I'm good. Whatever, whatever else you say after this is gravy, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I mean, the, the other reasons we're in the pistol, because I know people want to know why, you know, so I, w- I wanted to make sure I just mentioned it. And that, that's an A number one, you know, um, veer to any look and, and sometimes, and I, I'm not critiquing. I, I try and watch as many games as I can. And, you know, it's probably like a, they run it like 10% of the plays. And, and I just think for, for all the play action things that we do, you know, 75% of our pass games off veer inside veer play action. Mm-hmm. So, and, and also as a coach, think about this. If you, if you're running a consistent motion out of, you know, with that, you're seeing how they're reacting and you have your counters off that same motion. And as a coach, who's going to learn a system, you, you that's easier to see than not moving your guys and then post snap moving because pre-snap movements a little easier to pick up when you're in the booth and trying to call it and maybe have some assistants who are learning and can't really see the game and they're learning also. So 
I think that's a big advantage also. It kind of makes the counter calls a little bit easier. So any, anyway, I'll stay on topic. But, uh, but um, Vera All Looks, number two that we found out in the last couple of years because we kind of just started running mid-triple was um, it made the read and the pitch for the quarterback easier because he was deeper. So one thing about the pistol is uh, when you run midline, we want the quarterback to catch and get to the line of scrimmage. And it's a, it's a few more steps than if you're under center. Under center, you're just dropping back with the quarterback, you know, getting clearing the midline, and it hits real fast. You know, midline, it's a little more footwork. But mid-triple, we just ask him to step straight back. So it settles that read on the, you know, the three technique, the two-eye, whoever the, the dive is. And then you're also deep enough so that if you need to pitch the ball and that, you know, it's a hot look where the, the pitch key's on line of scrimmage, you're deep enough to still get the ball back. If you're on the line of scrimmage and you pull the ball and he's come up field, sometimes that gets a little hairy there. So, so the pistol creates a little space there and, and can help you out. Um, and the last reason is selfishly less quarterback pass game footwork. You know, we have, we have really few drops and they're all very similar because he's deep. That first step where he needs to get away from the line of scrimmage, crossover plant, um, the footwork's a little tighter. Yeah, we're stealing, yeah, yeah, yeah. we're stealing time doing that for QB Indy, um, yeah. and that's a big deal. So, so big five for us is is beer mid mid double, which running more mid triple now. It's kind of like we're getting a two for one, um, but it does have purpose. Um, toss, and then last is zone dive slash slash uh, wedge. That's been since for six years we've been doing that. And I kind of never said anything because I was like, I don't even know if this is a flex bone thing or if this is a, you know, people even do this, but we just clear the midline and hand it to our best kid and have everyone work in. And you guys kind of were talking about it the other day. And I was kind of like, oh, thank God I could actually maybe talk to something <laughs> about this. Like, I'm not hey, just... I got to thinking, I'm like, why are we working so hard, man? You know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> you spent so to teaching the concept like zone and that, oh my God, there's so many, it, it, that's the big thing. People don't want to run zone because it's, it's so expensive. Just run wedge. <laughs> so, so what we got to is zone dive, right? People are, you know, you're running the silos and, you know, the tackle, yeah. if you have a five technique, the tackle is power veering through and yeah. the slots getting inside. We just said zone dive is wedge with a B gap aiming point. So that's the rally point, guys. We want the apex at the over the guard, and that's where you know we're 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 just running it. We just looks different. Um, and the one thing we do with wedge that some of the guys were saying was different was we run it on first sound without motion. Love so it. it's just like kind of like a and we just signal it from the sideline, and the kids come up and they he says the code, um, and bang, we're we're running that thing right now. So it's like a little bit of a change of pace for us. Um, and then counter runs for us is a uh, speed option. And um, what's the other one I had there? Speed option and uh, trap. Those are our, our kind of front specific runs. Are you Now you're, uh, you run jet at all? So we run jet motion. We okay. don't run jet. So we'll fake the jet for play action or we'll do it. We'll do it more in the pass game and in the midline game um, to try and add a blocker to the point of attack. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like we, we, we can do everything off tail motion and twirl motion, but if we like zip is our only motion tag that we have. Interesting. So that's that whole conversation of rocket versus jet, right? Yeah. And, you know, the thing I've been kind of doing my research on and trying to figure out is toss to me is, you know, on my play sheet in the bottom right corner, my reminders is find a formation to run toss because yeah. you can, you can, you could get an over and you could crack it. You could get an over and you could run it regular. You can, it's going to be a three by one. If they're not giving it to you in your base picture, it's going to be an unbalance, but at the same time, you know, Jet can be a more of a C gap hitter inside if that force player is too wide, yep. you know. Um, yep. 
the thing is, you, you have to get a crack and you have to take care of the DN now. Plus, you, you don't have to block the DN. Right. Um, unless he's flying out, you know, the situation where the tackle first three steps, he's on him. He's got to stay on him. That's how we talk about it. But, um, you know, so I, I'm very intrigued by that. Um, but I need, I need it to marry another play we run with the blocking scheme. So like my thing is just everything has to carry over like zone dive blocking is speed option blocking for the, for the offensive line. Veer blocking is, I mean, we, we practice it so much. It's just rope memorization. Midline and midline triple is the same for everybody except the play side tackle. Like there has to be carryover for the kids up front and just eliminate the thinking as much as possible. Um, you know, and, and run the plays you practice the most in the most important situations. I'm with you on that. Hey, Coach, I think this is a good time for this question. Um, We've talked a lot about the, the gun snap being short pistol. That's would you say you're short pistol? Yeah, we're um, you know we're we're heels at three, just so the B back can still be at five. Because yeah. that's you know we're we're flex bone, no doubt, um, schematically everywhere except for the quarterback's alignment. That's that's how I would describe it to anybody. The slots are. Uh, their inside foot's on the tackle's outside foot, and they are they could touch them with their hand. Yeah. So they're, we, they're tight. We, we, we talked about um, the different ways to snap, uh, the shotgun snap, right? Yeah. And uh, you guys are uh, – correct me if I'm, if, I'm, if I'm wrong. You're the two-hand, like, fair state back in the day, right? We're um, one-hand one dead man. Oh, okay. So it's like the Patriots snap, I think. I think yeah. that's the term. But they're on the they're on the top half of the football, half, yeah. grabbing the laces. The ball's flat. You know, the laces are down in the yep. middle of their hand. That's how we teach kids. Right, right. Initially, starting out, it's it's kind of dealer's choice as long as it's soft and it's not. You want that dead you know, snap surprising the quarterback because we we want our best lineman to be the center. Okay. So we we want to teach. You know, our three best linemen had a snap because it's just different when the center is your best lineman and there's and, and that nose, which we get a lot of nose, um, is, is taken care of and at, at the very minimum neutralized and better yet moved. Right. Um, it's a huge deal. So we're training that kid. We teach him Patriot if we have to. Um, we've gotten away with kids doing, you know, like a quarterback hold. Yeah. snapping the ball um, just because it was what we needed and it was fine. So I can live with that. Um, but we teach yeah. the kids the Patriot. I'm like you. I like if, if I got a kid that played little league his whole life and then he gets to me and <laughs> he, 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 he grips it a certain kind of way. Hey, we're going to, we're going to go with that. You know what I mean? As long as, you know, we're, we're having success. I'm, I'm, I agree with you. If it's not uh, broke, right? Yeah, I agree. Well, uh, let's ask you a question about practice now, Coach. I know we're taking all your time tonight, man. You wanted to sit down with your wife and watch Say Yes to the Dress? That's a, <laughs> come on, man. Don't say that to everyone. Don't let them know my secrets. <laughs> I'm just teasing you, man. Jeez. Picking on the, the Yankee, you know? What the heck, man? I said, uh, highlight uh, how you guys are practicing. Uh, talk about your practice plans and how you uh, work through individual group and team. Okay, so uh, Monday for us is just a lift, film review, and then like a soft install, like a walkthrough install. Um, Tuesday, Wednesday are work days. And, you know, with everyone talking about no trauma days, uh, we don't have that in our program. Um, we, you know, we're not tackling, but there we, we got pads on and we're full on Tuesday and Wednesday. And we're, we're getting it in. Um, so uh, kind of like our Schedule is in pre-practice when specialists and special teams are happening. We have Indy for the offensive line and quarterbacks. All those other positions are kind of ingrained in there. And that's the time where we really get one-on-one time with the quarterback so we can work those drops and we could do, you know, like bird dog, like one, two steps in the ground, you know, chin to shoulder, hands back, all that good stuff. Offensive line during that time is also doing bird dog work with the first step and a lot of backside run game during that time. So we're not a scoop team. We, we That's probably a whole different conversation. Um, we, we talk about scooping, but it's really more of a backside cutoff. 
you know, like we don't have a long scoop, but his, we work on the backside during that time and have a lot of focus on base, you know, drive blocks and backside scooping, more individual kind of blocks during that time. I was going to say that rule change, man. It's, it, you know, we have to go to more of like a scramble now. You know what I mean? Yeah. Crabbing in the legs instead of uh, just trying to, trying to cut them. So. Yeah. As, as a former zone coach in college, um, it's, it's really like, you know, veer left is zone right. So we're, we're not, we're not, we're, we're trying to create some cutbacks at times, not in, not telling them to cut back, but if everything flows over the top and we're scooping, you, you kind of get, you kind of get clogged up on the front side, you know, on the crease. But if, if you're zoning the backside, Sometimes that flow happens. You get a cutoff on the three technique, and he can put his foot in the ground if he's if he's you know worth half of you know what, and get in the backside a gap. And that backside a gap's moved all the way to the front side edge, so it's not a big cut. Right. So we try we try and create that ability, you know, on veer because we do run it so much, and sometimes they know it's coming and they're going to rally to the place that b gap. You know, so it's just trying to let you do things and. It, it's helped more running it to a three when we have to run it. Yeah. You know, that flow happens. You kind of get stalemated on the tag. The center backside guard are working that nose together to the backside linebacker. They flow over the front side. You could hit the back, the, the front side a gap, you know, um, if you're not hitting the crease correctly. And, and again, we're not trying to cut back. We're not teaching it like a zone, but a good runner is going to find a crease. So we're trying yeah. to give them, you know, that, that downhill crease fit. And then if that kind of gets overflowed into, he can put his foot in the ground and get back in there. Um, anyway, practice. So, <laughs> I'm with you. I was following you coach. Yeah, I hope so. I hope it yeah. makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, uh, so for practice for us, we we're based off um, a, a 50 minute slot for offense. So the first 10 minutes is a run exchange period, which is QBs, A's, A-backs, and B-backs, two coaches, and then we have kids holding bags, which um, that's probably our most important drill that we do as a program. Um, and wideouts are stalking, offensive line are now frontside comboing for 10 minutes. That's Tuesday and Wednesday. And in that run exchange, we're running, we're running veer four times. We're running midline. Four times we're running tango, which we, which is midline triple for us. Um, four times and we're running toss, and we're inserting those guys to block. and And we talk about running the lines because it should just be you should be able to do it with your eyes closed. So that's ten minutes every day, and we're giving the quarterback a hot read. Uh, you know, and we we have different turns, but like blood stunt, um, we're giving him a stack read. And we're giving him, you know, like a looser read, like a blood, a blood, but the pitch keys off the line of scrimmage, like a four, four type look. Yeah. We're giving him all those every day. Um, just, just so he knows, so we could train him. Uh, next 10 minutes is quarterbacks and wideouts throwing routes. So in our past game, you know, we have the post, the curl, um, uh, those things for them. Um, and that, that's when our pods happen with the rest of the offense. The, the O-line, A-backs, B-backs, that's pod work. And Tuesdays is zone dive, wedge, and then um, Wednesdays, and that's two groups, front side only for the pod. And then uh, on Wednesdays, we're, we're running auto give on veer, you know, running those front side looks, and we're running midline. So we're, tr we're trying to get 10 minutes, you know, of, of those runs front side only. And again, trying to change the looks as much as possible. Um, and then the next 10, we do a drill we call outside drill. So outside drill for us is we run 12 plays. Six of them are runs and six of them are passes. So it's like a, it's like a skeleton, but with outside run. Um, so we'll run toss. We have a tackle there. So the tackle will run toss and then, We'll run midline triple on the perimeter, you know, full pitch. And then uh, we'll run our speed option stuff um, on the perimeter there. And then we'll run our pass game. So, it's you know, we have seven defenders on the other side. We're changing them how to line up. And we're running our, you know, really our top three passes, running them once each way. So six passes. And then those three runs, 
you know, once each way. Um, and then we have two team periods. So 10 minutes a team period, 12 plays each. And one, the first one will be against one front and the next one will be against another front. And we do that every day. Every day it's at least two fronts and days we, you know, if we know someone might give us three, we'll, we'll mix a third one in there. Um, you know, just again, so the kids could see those different fronts. And Thursday is like a game check for us. We do our two minute procedure, trick plays, screen specials, um, Hail Mary and four minute procedure. And then we do like a 15 play script with red zone goal line and uh, third down in there. Um, but we, tr- we try and keep that the same. Something I learned early. We keep that the same every week. So that Thursday, while it seems like a lot of stuff, that, that first part, all that procedure stuff gets done in 10 minutes because they know what's next. You know, they know where the ball is. They know what to do. And if we ever have to do it in a game, we've done it every Thursday, the entire season, preseason included. That's awesome. Yeah, no doubt. That, Very efficient. Yeah, yeah, really good. Really good. Um, and I like the fact that you're able to. I hadn't actually thought about getting quarterback receiver work and doing pods, but that's, a, that's a probably actually, now that I think about it, maybe a little more efficient way to do it, um, to be honest. So that, that that's good. I wrote that down. That's, that's yeah. good. Yeah, I don't know if guys read anything in pods, but I was just like, we, we have to throw to the wideouts, and I really don't want to waste a rep in there, like pulling the ball for the quarterback, and there's nobody on the edge defensively. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you, and I and I now that I'm, yeah, now that I'm thinking about it, it's a pretty good, efficient way to. I mean, ideally, I think you want to have like a full half line, and that's what I saw, and I was like, wow, this is great, and I went back to Anthony and I said, hey, let's try and set this up, and, and he's like we don't have enough humans on our program to be able to do this and get like everything going on at the same time. Like it's just a numbers game at that point. So, yeah. you know, you can, you, and we're, you know, we're a program, we have 60 kids on, on the varsity roster. You know, this year was a little less with COVID for some not coming out. We're probably in like the fifties. Um, so, so we're right there. We're probably with most programs, I think. Yeah. 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 Well, um, talk about some game plan and stuff. I I don't know if you get consistent looks where you are. We, we really don't, um, at all. Um, but I'm, I'm just curious, like, I mean, obviously with the way you practice, your kids are seeing a bunch of different fronts. So from a game plan standpoint, right? Like as long as the kids know their looks, they're going to get versus, versus their schemes. You know, it doesn't really, I guess in the end, it doesn't really matter what a, what a team does, but like, are you looking at their scheme? Are you looking at their players? How do y'all, how are you doing that? So I'm, I'm trying to game plan defensive coordinators. Um, Cause we, we've had some turnover by us and we've, we've played some guys over and over and, um, you're still not getting consistent looks. So I was like, this is a waste of time. Our first year, our first year, and, and I, I think everyone's had this moment, but I know I did. Our first year, you know, we put the, we, we were running Flexbone at, at, at Raritan and, you know, we, we had a pretty good year. We we're feeling pretty good about ourselves. And we go and play our crosstown rival and they come out and something that <laughs> I was like, the, yeah. the, the guys are on a headset. Coach, coach, what are they doing? I'm just like, um, um, is anybody recording this with with the iPad so I could look at this? Like on the field in that moment, it was just like, what's going on? It just turned out to be like a a, a bare variation. Um, but you know, our, our kids hadn't seen it because we were practicing specific fronts for people, and I was like, never again, yeah. never again. So yeah, uh, yeah. Well, I've been there. <laughs> we got beat. We got beat, and I was yeah. like, "Oh boy, we yeah. gotta we gotta plan differently." So, um, so what we started to do was, first of all, all the plays needed to be able to be run with our rule system against all the fronts, and we're talking, you know, Oki stack stacks probably the number one defense. We tag some things, but we we don't do a lot of tags. So, Oki stack. Four 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 three and this, which we call Cub, um, 
And we need to make sure everything works against them based off our rules so that when we throw it out and, you know, I'm, I'm, I say game planning starts in preseason because our preseason schedule of those two team periods is the first three days is Oki first period, four, three, second period. Once we get into day four, now we introduce four, four defense and stack. And I always try and get a scrimmage against a stack team. And now we're going back and forth. And the kids literally have no idea what front's coming out that day in practice. And we're just, hey, what's your rule? What's your rule? What's your rule? Um, So that's like, in a way, kind of game planning for the season because we played three teams again this year. We practiced that week and they came out in Oki and – we practiced a little bit of Oki, you know, but we didn't we didn't major in it that week because they they were a four three team the whole season, you know, showed some bear, so we were a little heavier in the four down and bear, and, but we still practiced Oki that week, right? And we came out and we were we were fine. The kids were like, "Yeah, we're good," and I was like, "Okay, I think that I think that worked." Yeah. Um. So we do do that. Um. In terms of getting ready. And I think that helps us the most in preseason. Just so by the time the kids have gotten to that, they've, they've practiced more than that week against it in, uh, in preparation. Um, but if I don't know what someone does, I kind of look at the base. So let's just say an Oki guy, for example, we'll practice both three down fronts. And to us, that's stack and Oki. And then the easiest transition from Oki is bear. So that'll be involved. And then we'll just say like, well, everyone plays a 4-3 against us most times anyway. Oki and 4-3 are the two most popular we get. And then the next front is usually a bear. Um, so, so we'll try and, you know, mix those three fronts in that week. Um, and then defense and personnel for us, we're just trying to find the weakest run and pass defender, you know, and then what guys we have to read, what guys we really want to read. Um and, and we've moved that around. You know, we, we've run beer against a team with a great safety who wants to roll down and just make them the pitch key. And yeah. that guy's the pitch key. You know, we're going to this side and we called it his last name and he probably heard it in the no huddle and was like, okay, this is when they don't block me. But it worked for us because we couldn't block them. Um, right. So that allowed us to kind of do that. Um, and then film for us, for our kids – we don't watch a ton of opponent scout with them. We watch our film from last year and our practice film for the most part. Like we'll say this is how they line up to some three by one. Cause we are in some traditional formations like two by two and three by one with the wideouts moved out at times. So we do show them that, but we, we tell them like, I, I can't make any promises, but you know what to do against one high and two high coverage, you know, cause We've worked that because that fits in with the fronts for the quarterback and the coverages and the slots. And that's our identification system is, is based off one high, two high for the, for the slots and the wideouts more so than like who the dive in the pitch key is for them, for them, which I know is different also, but, um, and then we just try and we just try and get all our scripting and practice planning done on Monday nights for the week, just so it's, we're rolling out and if we need to make a change, we'll make it. But usually we just, we can rinse repeat because we don't know what we're getting anyway. Yeah. 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 That's awesome. Very efficient. Yeah. Very sure, man. Yeah. Coach, uh, talk about your passing game a little bit, what it looks like and uh, what kind of variety you got. Um, So I'm a, I'm a, I'm I'm like a stat guy for us because I just want to make sure what we're doing makes sense. Yeah. The, the, the thing I mentioned on Mondays is every, you know, couple of weeks we want to do like a self-scout. Like, okay, we stink a trap, which was kind of what we found this year. Um, we stink a trap, and trap went out. You're not a big five. You're not something we're going to hang our hat on. Like, sorry, man. And people run trap great. It just, uh, it's just not our deal. So – you know, stuff like that on, on Mondays is also, you know, figuring out what we're good at, figuring out what we might be able to evolve to, um, and just doing what the kids get. Like, if they don't get it, it's got to go. Yeah. Um, but uh, so, so pass game for us with the stat stuff, you know, we're a team that's going to throw between like 20 and 25% over the last six years. So we have one protection. We have a man side protection, and that goes into um, – our, 
our veer play action protection, our quick game protection, it's all based off of that. So that when we do protection period with the offensive line, which is like five minutes, then, you know, our own line wants to work, uh, coach wants to work it more. And I'm like, no, we just have, you get five minutes every day and you just work all your stuff and do your protection reviews. And, and it's fine because, you know, the nature of the offense saves you in edge rushers because yeah. they, they have to be disciplined. Um, but, and, and even in sprint out, we use that man side concept, which we don't sprint out a lot, but, um, you know, we use all those. So the guys just know, hey, we're going to tweak how we do it as as opposed to who you're blocking. Um, and then we're, we're 70% veer play action. And and within that, it's it's kind of three concepts. Um, the first one is, I, I, I think it's uh, like the base veer play action, which is seam read by the play side slot, post on the backside, vertical on the outside. Um, we, I always we, call that load pass, you know, because it's kind of like a load path uh, that the slot takes, if you think about it, you know, off of yeah. here. Yeah. And, and we talked to him about like a seam read, like how you would in like run and shoot. Yeah. So that, that too high safety comes down, you're running right by him, he pedals, you hook up, it's one high. We One high, we tell him to stay on the hash Yeah. because if the free goes over to him, we're throwing the post backside. Yep. Um. So that's one. The change up off that is just is I, um, is choice. So it's an out by the play side slot and a post by the play side wide out. Still reading that play side safety, um, but they're in the same family for us. Yeah. And both of those we can zip or tail motion. So zip motion. Any of these really we could zip motion, and that just gets a an immediate width threat. And we really like to do that on choice to open up that window on the out. Um, the second concept is switch. So just, just basic switch, you know, um, that's been our most successful pass route. You know, I think that's true for everybody who runs it. Um, but we do do it at a three by one. And all, all we do is the wide out and the, the wings, the, the wing slot. So our, both our slots move over in three by one the one who's in the wing, they're both running switch and the other guy's just running a clear out to the opposite hash. Um, yeah. And, and if we want them to hook up instead of run verticals, we just call it sticks. And that just means that the first down hook up, get to the sticks. Yeah. Uh, and then the last one is smash. That's our, that's our last concept out of the, uh, the, the veer play action family there. And our change up to that is a, is uh is a corner post from the a kind of a double move there um if the safety is getting a little too involved but that's the first two are the the two concepts we really hang our hat on um you know in terms of the pass game because one of the things that was passed on to me was just if you're gonna throw it like you need to hit a big play if you're gonna throw the ball for four yards just run beer again there you go you know like yeah. You're probably better at it because yeah. your, your quarterback's a flexible quarterback for a reason. Yeah. You know, um, we, we do run some boot. You know, I like to get better at it. We run um, quick game, but like I said, only when it's wide open. So this year, and I'm not saying that we do anything amazing, we threw quick game five times and we completed it five times because it was just an absurd look of a corner being off or, you know, Teams played 6-1 against us and too high and the safety's 12 yards deep and we ran a turn to the A-back. And it was just like, yeah. oh, okay, there's no one around him. So, Gimme. You know, yeah. That, and that was like, I still ran like six more plays to make sure that was the look before I threw the one quick game. <laughs> you know? um, and, then, and then we run a, we run a screen off of like twirl motion. So we'll be in two by two. Um the slot will start in tail motion. He'll twirl back and he'll like deep the defensive end, you know, press the outside shoulder, press him in and fall back for the screen. Um, and we crack replace with the, with the tackle and the wide out on that. Yeah. And then we could throw it to the B back if we go three by one and he does the, okay. you know, the push inside and then we're cracking and replacing with those two guys on that screen. That screen has been very good to us. Very inexpensive. 
very good to an open alley backside against three by one and two by two, you throw it to your lesser a back because when the other kid goes in motion, they're like, we need to follow him. The other kid goes in motion. They're like, he's not getting the ball. So you got to throw the screen to him uh-huh. and no one's worried about him. And they're, and that's his big play. And he's good for like three games. <laughs> he's fine. He's fine. Love that. That's so true. <laughs> yeah. That's so true, man. Well, um, why don't you talk about some drills, man? Leave us with, uh, you know, something you feel like the listeners will get, you know, just from an everyday standpoint, something you feel like is important for the offense to, to work every day. I, I think it's run exchange. I, I really do. Like just that, just the quarterback catching the ball, working his footwork, getting in the mesh with the B back. And, and I, and I think before you even get to the run exchange, I think you have to break it down by step, you know, and I've seen you guys have videos of it. I've seen other guys have videos of it and it's the same idea. It's, you know, the bird dog idea of set go first step, go second step and talking about how, when they should be linked up in the mesh, where your eyes should be on this step and, and breaking that whole thing down, you know, meticulously. So, so they know, and then you could communicate with them. Like you guys aren't linked up on the first step feedback. You got to move up. So just talking to them in a way that they can understand because they've seen the drill. So it's not just like, okay, you're firing out of a cannon to the crack of the guard and quarterback, you got to get him. It's not, it's not that it's not, you know, a potential collision. It's, it's synced up, you know, to, to a way that you guys need to understand, Um, you know, and then what happens once the sink happens, the mesh, you know, what's the quarterback doing? What's his body position What's the B back where his eyes, um, and then it just evolves into run exchange. So the drill that I'm talking about is we have a tape with the center guard tackle. We have a little Velcro. So we put the splits as big as we like them. And we have two groups. So the first group, quarterback, B-back, A-backs, and then a second group of that same thing. And then, you know, you always have like your third slot or your, you know, your third B-back or maybe third quarterback. The A-backs coach and the quarterbacks coach, so myself and the A-backs coach, are the dive in the pitch key for us. I know some people do that, some people don't. We are always those guys because we can communicate to each other on the fly what we want to do, and it happens faster because we're cheating and the kids have to react to it faster. And then we give those other kids bags in critical positions. So, for example, if we run Veer, the kid with the bag is the safety for the place I'd slot the block. If we run midline double – the kid with the bag is the twirl insert by the yeah. play side slot. Yeah. Um, and, and we are doing that Tuesday and Wednesday and, and it's a, it's a conditioning thing. It's a, you know, and I tell them and, and we do it hard because I, I continuously say, run the lines, run the lines because you're all doing the same exact thing for the first three steps and your body has to be able to do it, you know, when, at any point, like, you know, if, if you're in your kitchen and your mom says, you know, run midline, you can, you can do it. And, you know, um, that that's important. And we do it for 10 minutes at the beginning of practice every day. And we end with toss um, at the end of it, just, just once or twice each way. Um, just, just working that with, with those guys and just, ending it on something that we're, we're running on. Um, just one thing I wanted to mention about toss and boot for us, like we run plays on cadences, so we don't call a cadence. So like I said, we run wedge on first sound. Um, we run toss and boot on two every time because they're wide plays for us. Yeah. Um, so it's not like we're, we're having the guys hold water to go forward. They're just holding water to go sideways, you know? Um, and that's worked for us, especially, you know, if you're in like a third and eight and you run toss, you run toss, but you really hope they jump off sides to get third and three. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's been a good scenario. So, so we do that at the end. So we've run for 10 minutes. They're running for 10 minutes because we don't move the tape 
they have to get back. They have to circle back to where they need to go. So I'll run toss at the end. And the first week, it's like, you know, set go. And the kids are all moving. And you're like, all right, let's do up-downs, you know. Yeah. You do up-downs every time we jump off sides. So, um, so we do that last just kind of as like a mental mental gymnastics uh-huh. at the end. Yeah. Now, are you um, are you reversing out on toss or are you fronting out? We are. No, we reverse out on toss and then on boot, we're faking that and we're making it look like belly, which is, you know, another thing I'm trying to, I'm trying to figure out before we implement, but yeah, we're reversing out. Cool. And we're, and we're trying to throw it like, like we have a cone, like two yards outside the tackle and we're saying like, get it out there, get it out, like get it outside the tackle right now and sprint to the sideline for three more steps before you do anything. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Well, that's great, man. Coach, we, you know, we can't thank you enough for coming on man, taking some time out of your Friday night. No, we really appreciate it. Um, Definitely think the listeners are going to get something out of it. So, so we appreciate it, man. It's good talking to you. Thanks guys. I really appreciate it. I really appreciate it. And I, Thank you for doing all that you guys do for the Flexbone community and guys like me who are just trying to learn and you guys provide a lot of content and it's on behalf of a lot of guys who I don't even know. It's much appreciated what you guys are doing. Well, look, Hey, it's, it's, it's everybody, man. We're all in this together. Like I said, I got something out of you tonight, man. I'm going to work quarterback receivers with pods now. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious. We're all learning. All of us. Everyone. Yeah. Of us. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Appreciate you coming on too, brother. Thanks, guys.